So, of course, there's the the NHL is in free agency, and there's been a lot of different personnel transactions. Leaving the Bruins, joining the Bruins. I'll tell you, Scott, if this was 2010, the Bruins would be stacked. Um, bringing back Lucic and James Van Riemsdyk, um, Kevin Shattenkirk. So, you know, there's some there's some interesting moves to uh, to talk about. Uh, obviously, they've lost Tyler Bertuzzi to Toronto, Garnet Hathaway. Um, you know, there's the the number one center still up in the air, and the, we have to talk about the draft later on. But just maybe rattle off the official who's gone, who's here, and and we'll dive into it. Yeah. So in our Milan Lucic's return. Uh, one year, one million dollars, up to five hundred thousand in performance bonuses. James Van Riemsdyk, one year, one million dollars. Kevin Shattenkirk on defense, one year, just over one million dollars. Morgan Geeky, two years, two million a year. Patrick Brown, another guy who's going to be lower in the lineup, two uh, two years, eight hundred thousand, and then a couple two-way contracts just for organizational depth. Uh, Jason Magna and Anthony Richard up front as well as Luke Toporowski, who was in Providence last year. Uh, he gets his entry-level contract. And then on defense, Parker Wotherspoon, uh, one-year, two-way contract. Um, as you mentioned, you know, several guys out the door. We already, you know, covered the Taylor Hall and Nick Felino trade. Going to Chicago, you mentioned Bertuzzi signing with Toronto uh, late Sunday, which we'll get to. Dimitri Orlov to Carolina, Connor Clifton to Buffalo, Garnet Hathaway, Philly, and Tomas Nosek still out there, but not expected back. Um, Sweeney, we talked to Don Sweeney uh, Saturday late afternoon, and he said, you know, unlikely, and basically more or less said that Patrick Brown is the Nosek replacement. Yeah, I mean, so when when the Bruins went all in at the deadline last year, I mean, obviously – they had an incredible roster and, and the, the hope was that they would have a Stanley cup to show for it because once the summer came around, we just kind of had an idea that this was going to happen because the, they just couldn't afford to have the roster that they had last year. Um, everything kind of fell the way that it did perfectly with Bergeron and Krejci signing cheaper deals, bonus uh, w- with bonus incentives. And then ov- obviously on the deadline, you don't get Tyler Bertuzzi if, if Taylor Hall and Nick Felina went on injured reserve. So they just they really squander their opportunity, but but change was on the horizon. And Don Sweeney said that in the uh, end of season conferences. So this team's going to look a, literally a lot different next year. Um, what what are your what are your initial takeaways from what what Sweeney's trying to trying to do with some of these moves? I mean, I, I know you, you mentioned to Bridget and I offline. It's like he's just trying to you have to fill out a roster, right? And so Taylor Hall goes, his six million dollars goes. Like, would you rather Taylor Hall and a six million, or would you rather the combination of Geeky, Lucic, and Shattenkirk and Brown, all guys that are just kind of more or less that that salary that's gone now? Yeah, I mean, but it's not even like a one for one. You know, those guys take up all that money. Like, someone has to play those positions anyway. So even if it's, you know, okay, even if it's you sign, keep Taylor Hall or sign Bertuzzi. You still have to fill in your, your your bottom six, and even if that's guys coming up from Providence, those are all eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollar cap hits. So, you know, Lucic, Van Riemsdyk, Shattenkirk for one million, it's really not a whole. You're really not spending a whole lot more than you would be if you just plugged in a bunch of kids. Um, you know, Geeky for two million 
is a deal I like on the surface. Like I actually think that's a, a chance worth taking. And I think it's possible. There's still more offense there. Um, he did just have a career high 29 points while playing a fourth line role in Seattle. Um, you know, but that's the only one that's, that's over a million dollars. So everything else it's, you know, you're bringing in veterans for only slightly more than what the kids you'd be throwing in there would be making. So I don't even know if like, even, you know, even if you don't sign those guys and you say, all right, we're just going to throw kids in. Like, I still don't know if they have the money to keep Taylor Hall or sign Tyler Bertuzzi. Like it still feels like another move had to be made. And I think that's where, you know, the discussion goes is like, should they have tried harder to trade Alina Solmark or a Matt Grizzlick or Derek Forbert and freed up some more money. Um, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that those, I, I said this on the last podcast, like I think two guys had to be pretty much strict salary dumps. And that wound up being Taylor Hall via trade and Mike Riley via buyout. After that, I don't think it's good business to start trying to just dump salaries left and right, including potentially the Vezina trophy winner. Like, any other trades to me had to make sense and actually get you something in return, whether that was a draft pick, which obviously the draft came and went with very few trades around the league, never mind from the Bruins, um, you know, or prospects or younger players or whatever. Like, I was never going to just give Linus Elmark away or Matt Grizzlick. So I, I think the Bruins, you know, did explore the market on them and on other guys and just didn't find a trade that that they liked so uh that sort of you know leaves you with a team that still has really strong goaltending at least obviously was really strong goaltending in the regular season still a decor that looks pretty good on paper it's basically you know more or less the same decor they had before they added orlov last year and that was still a really good decor most of the season uh and leaves you with a forward group that leaves a lot to be desired and has, you know, I think pretty clearly a Bergeron sized hole in it. So if Bergeron does ultimately decide to return, then I think you feel a little better about this team and you can maybe talk yourself into them, you know, some things breaking the right way and them being competitive and having a chance to make noise. And if Bergeron doesn't return, you look at this roster and go, that second line should be a third line and that third line should be a fourth line. And all of a sudden it's, you know, it's pretty hard even with a defense and goaltending to see how that team would really compete. So you mentioned the decor is going to be pretty much the same before ordering, uh, adding Orloff to the deadline. Would you call Shattenkirk at 34 years old, a one for one upgrade over Connor Clifton? Um, it's interesting. I've been trying to, like debate this in my head. I think they're really, I think they're really similar. Um, Shattenkirk brings a little more offense and has a little bit more of that in his game. But at this point he might not be, or I, I don't think he is as much of a shutdown guy as Clifton. So I think you'll use him a little different, but that might actually be a good thing to have paired with Forbert, you know, someone who can bring a little more offense and has done that for a while and um, contributes to that end of the ice, you know, 29 points last year, like that's not a ton, but that's also pretty solid to get from a third pairing defender. 
um, if he replicates that or even is, you know, a little under that. So I I actually could see Shattenkirk being a, a better fit overall than Clifton. Um, and, and I really like the season that Connor Clifton had last year. So that is by no, by no means a knock on Connor Clifton, but you know, Shattenkirk's a little bit bigger too. I mean, not as physical though. So you lose that, but I, I certainly don't think it's a downgrade. Like I don't think their defense got any worse because you substituted Clifton out and brought in Shattenkirk. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, like, I like Clifton. I like the physicality he brings to the lineup. Um, you know, he had, he struggled in the playoffs last year, I thought, which was disappointing because, uh, you know, he, he, he would just made mistakes. He didn't make all season long. And, um, but you would he made mistakes last year in the playoffs that Shattenkirk just wouldn't make. He's a, He's a he's a champion. He's a veteran. Uh, he's very savvy, very smart player. Obviously, a former terrier, right, Scott? So you like him. Yep. Um, so I mean, yeah, it, it's a different look. They they're different players completely. But yeah, by no means did the blue line get worse. Um, up front, you've obviously lost Taylor Hall. You've lost Tyler Bertuzzi, Nick Foligno. You Garnet Hathaway for what it's worth, and the jury's still out on on Bergeron. But let's talk about the three forwards that they brought in, which is first and foremost, Milan Lucic is back. So we'll get to him. James Van Riemsdyk. I think that like, again, he's, he's totally fine. Like he, in in a bottom middle six role, like he's, he's always been a good net front guy in the power play and he's a big body and speed was never really his game. I mean, I think when he first broke into the league, it was was a slower league and he stood out because he had the longer strides, but I don't think he's made a living in the NHL based off of speed. Right. So I don't find that concerning. Um, and then Patrick Brown, I mean, he's a, he's a journeyman. He's 32, I think. And he's got like 130 games to his name in the NHL. So, I mean, him, I don't know why he really can't, uh, replace Nosek with maybe some of the one, somebody in Providence. I don't really know if Patrick Brown is a, a major upgrade from somebody you just have in your system. I kind of find that like, why don't you just trust your system at, at that point? But regardless, just get your, your feedback on him and, uh, and Lucic and, and JVR. Yeah, so uh, on Patrick Brown, the one thing I would say is that's an easy contract to just dump if someone does beat him out for a job. Um, you throw him on waivers and either someone else claims him or you send him down to Providence and his entire contract's buried. There's no cap hits. So um, if someone does beat him out for a job, like that's they're not – bound to Patrick Brown by any means. Um, That said, I I actually do think he's someone who's kind of found his game the last couple of years, obviously, you know, like you said, spent a lot of time bouncing around a lot of time in the minors, but um, like analytically, especially defensively, he he's, he's a solid player and he's, he's good on faceoffs and he's physical. Um, I think he, you know, threw like 140 hits or something last year. So He's he's the kind of guy like brings some some things you like in the bottom six, uh, especially fourth line. So I could see that being valuable, you know, especially if there's not a young guy who steps up and, and takes that job from him. Um, as far as the other guys, yeah, Van Riemsdyk, I think is still a pretty solid player. He did have a downturn last year in scoring, ends up with just twelve goals, twenty nine points. Um, he did have 24 goals the year before, though. So I'm interested to see what he can do. Ideally, he would be on your third line. Like, if if you told me James Van Riemsdyk was 
that third line left wing for next season, I'd be like, all right, I feel really good about that. Unfortunately, I think he's going to have to play in your second line. And that's probably not really where he should be at, at this age, but you know, the Bruins are going to have to hope they're catching lightning in a bottle and he has a bounce back. And I don't know, maybe he's on a line with Pasternak and, and that helps or, or, you know, Bergeron, Bergeron, if he returns or whatever, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but you're obviously going to need more from him than what he showed in Philly last year. So there's definite gamble there. You know, I think they probably feel like he can bring some of the things that they're losing in Tyler Bertuzzi, like you mentioned, in terms of going to the net front, scoring greasy goals in front. Um, Lucic, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, honestly. Like, I I get all the excitement and the fan favorite and all that. Um, and I do think he can be valuable off the ice uh, as, you know, a team leader and work with young guys and all that. Uh, I still like his physicality. Having someone who can actually fight is, you know, is, is probably a good thing. Um, if he finds his game at all and can give you 10 solid minutes a night, then then great. If he ends up as, you know, a part-time player, then then so be it. Um, and who else is there? Oh, and, and Morgan Geek, I touched on a little, but I, I actually like that signing. I like taking a chance on him. That's, you know, 24 years old, turning 25 later this month. Um, bigger body can play center or wing four checks. Well, good playmaker has a pretty good shot has been buried on two deep teams in Carolina and Seattle. So I don't, you know, maybe he gets a third line opportunity here and you start to see more offense from him. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a solid gamble worth taking. I just, again, I, I, what it, my biggest concern would just be that you look at this lineup and, especially without Bergeron in it. It's just, it's a lot of guys that are going to be asked to, to do more than they've done before. Or they, or maybe then they can really be expected to do at this point in their careers. So that's a, you know, it's a tough way to try to build a winning team, but they were so cap strapped that, you know, this is what Don Sweeney decided had to be the approach. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this year their, their goal. And I, I think if, they were given some truth serum. I think, I think their goal is to not, not be embarrassed during their centennial season. Like I, I think, I think that they know that the cap is going to go up next year and that uh, they'll have opportunity to sign, you know, you know, really anybody that they, that they want or feel as though that they can fit into their, into their, um, their salary cap. I think that this year, based off of how last year ended, they Stranger things have happened, okay? But I don't think that they're going into this season with the current roster as it is, even with these additions. I think they're looking at this roster and saying, just like, let's just maybe we can maybe we can sneak into the playoffs and just let's just not be a 14th, 15th, 13th place team in the East this year in our centennial season. Now, look, they have a lot of they do have plenty of talent up front, but you are but you straight up you're you're missing a number one center. And you just can't have a, a, a forward grouping make the playoffs with a number one center, at least in my opinion. I, I mean, you look at the depth chart right now. We talked about the defense and basically pre-deadline last year, take out Clifton, add in Shattenkirk. So we know the defense is good. We know the goaltending is good. But up front, 
uh, daily face off their current lines for the Bruins based off of recent moves would be Marshan, Zaka, Pasternak, Van Riemsdyk, Coyle, DeBrusque, Greer, Geeky, Trent Frederick, Lucic, Patrick Brown, Oscar Steen. Now, obviously, there are some guys in there in Providence that might be able to get into the lineup, like a like a Georgie Merkulov or Fabian Lysel. You never know. But yeah, that, but that, and that, that's also leaving out Jacob Lauko, who I think will be in the opening night lineup. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not but, not that he's like a huge difference maker, but right. you'd, rather, you'd rather have him than Oscar Steen, probably. So fair, fair, but but a fourth line fixture, right? So right. I guess the reason of listing this depth chart off is that, like I said, it's just first of all, the 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 look of the forward group is much different than last year. I mean, like. I mean, Geeky, Van Riemsdyk, Lucic, Pat, like, it's just, it's different guys. Like we, it's, it's a different, it's, we don't know how, how they're all going to mesh, but mainly you're missing a number one center. I mean, Zaka is absolutely, in my opinion, a number two center on a, on a, on a championship team, I think, or could very well be. Um, but you're missing a number one guy. 